Hello, this is Jane Reed from True Crime Nightmare. Unfortunately, I have been very busy over the last few months or so, so I've not had enough time to research, let alone record a new episode. Things are hopefully going to be a little bit easier now, so I should be able to get back on track soon. Thanks for listening to my podcast and sorry for the very long delay in getting a new episode out. This is True Crime Nightmare. My name is Jane Reed. This is episode 48. This case is an unsolved one. It involves three murders and all of them happened in the late 1960s in Glasgow, Scotland. The media will often refer to the potential series of murders as the Barrowland murders or they often call the unknown killer by the name Bible John. Some people do not even believe necessarily that all three of the victims were actually murdered by the same person. But seemingly a lot of other people do think that all three deaths are in fact linked. Fortunately, there is a lot of information available on the murders, but not a lot of evidence to help catch the killer or killers, it would seem. As is so often the case, other convicted killers have been either suspected or even questioned in relation to the murders. Hopefully the murders will be solved one day. So at least the families and friends of the victims will have some justice as well as the three women who died so many years ago. All three women were young and all were brunettes. Each victim had seemingly met the ki- their killer at a place called the Barrowland Ballroom in Glasgow. It was a dance hall back in the 1960s. I shall give you a little history about the venue called the Barrowlands. The original building opened its doors to the general public in 1934. It is situated in Glasgow city centre. The area and the actual ballroom are named after the Glasgow Barrowland Market. The actual Barrowland building had to be completely rebuilt in the late 1950s due to it being destroyed by fire in 1958. The venue reopened its doors to the paying public again in December of 1960. The Barrowland building itself includes large street-level halls which are used for the weekend markets for the local area. The Barrowland was for a time a very popular ballroom frequented by many people over the years which included 1968 and 1969 when the three murders occurred. In recent years the popular venue which is situated in a prime location has become a concert venue and can hold up to 1900 people standing. Next to the Barrowland venue is the Barrowland Park. The park has a path that has on display the names of some of the many popular artists that have performed there over the years. But in 1968 and 1969, the Barrowland became the venue where three women would spend their last nights alive before being brutally murdered and they have still not had any justice. The victims were Patricia Docker, Jemima MacDonald and Helen Puttock. Patricia Docker, who at the time was 25 years old, decided to have a rare night out on Thursday 22nd of February of 1968. It was a bitterly cold day. She had dressed nicely and had worn her big duffel coat due to the cold weather. Patricia Docker was a mother to a young son called Alex. She was married to a man called Alexander Docker. Alexander was a corporal in the Royal Air Force and was at the time stationed in England. Patricia had married Alexander 
five years before and had given birth to their son one year later. Unfortunately, despite initially moving away from Scotland to be with her husband in England, things did not appear to be going very well for the couple. Shortly before her death, Patricia and her young son Alex had moved back to Scotland and in with Patricia's parents. Patricia worked as a nurse in Glasgow. She worked long hours and rarely had time to go out in the evening. According to Patricia Docker's parents, she was she had told them that she intended to spend the evening at the what was at the time considered to be more upmarket, majestic ballroom, but she had in fact spent the evening at the so-called more downmarket Barrowland ballroom instead. This would cause some confusion when her disappearance was noted and also after her body was discovered. It was confirmed by people who had uh, remembered seeing Patricia Docker on the evening of the 22nd of February of 1968 that she had been at the Barrowland in Glasgow. That was about two miles from her parents' home and which was where she was also living at the time of her death. The following day, which was the 23rd of February 1968, Patricia Docker's body was discovered. A man had gone to his lock-up garage because he was off on his way to work and he came across Patricia's body. She was found out at a place called Commercial Place Battlefield in Glasgow. She had been very close to getting home safely, it would seem, because her body was found only yards from her home. She was found naked. There was evidence of extensive blunt force trauma as well as strangulation. It was thought by the investigators that a ligature had been used to strangle her and it was considered that possibly a belt had been used by the, the killer. Patricia Docker's clothes, handbag and watch all appeared to be missing as well. A search in the area close to the crime scene would find her handbag as well as her watch, but there was no sign at all of her clothing. Her clothing has never been found. The investigators carried out door-to-door inquiries in the area and they soon came across a potential witness who had supposedly heard a woman scream, quote, leave me alone, unquote, the evening before the body had been found. However, very little actual evidence was found at the scene. Patricia Docker's parents were notified of the discovery of her body, mainly because an ambulance driver had recognised the auxiliary nurse and told the police that it was Patricia Docker. Patricia's father positively identified her body the very next day. The police would later discover that Patricia had begun her evening out at the Majestic Ballroom, just as she had stated that she was going to do. But later, for some reason... She decided to go to the nearby Barrowland ballroom where it is strongly believed that she met her killer. Patricia's post-mortem was carried out shortly after her body had been discovered where it was discovered that Patricia had died from strangulation. The post-mortem could not confirm that a sexual assault had taken place or not at that time. Despite the police questioning many people and potential witnesses, Patricia Docker's murder was not solved. The next victim was a young woman called Jemima MacDonald. She was 32 years old at the time of her death. Jemima went out for the evening on the 16th of August 1969. It was a Saturday night and Jemima went along to the very popular Barrowland ballroom to enjoy a night out. Jemima was a mother of three children. She was a single mother at the time of her murder. Her children were left in the care of her sister Margaret on that fateful Saturday night. Jemima MacDonald had been to the Barrowland Ballroom on many previous occasions. She apparently liked, apparently liked to dance and let her hair down. 
Witnesses would later come forward to say that they had seen Jemima at the ballroom that particular night as well. Jemima's sister became concerned the next day when she had not returned home. More troubling still was the fact that rumours were going around the local area that some children had said that they had seen a body in one of the nearby derelict tenement buildings. The children would often play in and around the buildings. No one had seemingly taken the rumours that seriously though because it was not checked out at the time by anyone. However, on the Monday the 18th of August 1969, Margaret herself decided to go and check out the building. Her sister had still not returned home and she had not heard from her, which was considered very unusual. The scene that she was met with must have been horrific. She discovered in the old building the badly beaten body of her beloved sister Jemima. That must have been absolutely heartbreaking. Margaret had been worrying about the whereabouts of Jemima since the day before. She had known something was wrong due to the unusual fact that her sister had not come home after a night out on the Saturday. She knew she would have made contact to let her sister and children know where she was and when she would return if she had been able to. On top of that, she had spent the Sunday with all of the rumours about a body having been found by local children. It obviously played on her mind a great deal and with still no sign of Jemima the following day, she must have had strong suspicions that something awful had probably happened to her sister. Jemima had just wanted to have some fun and let her hair down, but unfortunately some evil person decided he wanted to kill her instead. The third woman, who has been linked to the murders of both Patricia Docker and Jemima MacDonald, was a young woman called Helen Puttock. Helen had enjoyed a night out at the Barrowlands Ballroom in Glasgow on the 30th of October of 1969. She had gone to the ballroom with her sister Jean. The sisters had met two men at the ballroom. Both men, who did not appear to know each other beforehand, said that their names were John. No one knows for certain if that is the case because, as you can probably imagine, fake names were used often at this venue and at many other venues as well, especially if a person was married. All four young people spent about an hour together having a drink and a dance at the ballroom before they all left together. The man who had been with Jean in the Barrowland had walked to a nearby bus stop after leaving the ballroom and had boarded a bus which left the two sisters with the other John. They decided to get a taxi and found one fairly quickly, not far from the actual ballroom. All three were going to separate places but on the same journey it would seem. The taxi first arrived at Jean's home where she got out and said goodbye to Helen and the man who had said that his name was John. The taxi then headed towards Helen's home. The journey from the ballroom to arriving at Helen's home was thought to have been about 20 minutes or thereabouts. Helen and her companion got out of the taxi just before reaching Helen's home, according to the taxi driver who was interviewed shortly after that night. They paid the fare before exiting. Helen did not return home and unfortunately her body was discovered by a man who had been out walking his dog the next day, which was the 31st of October of 1969. The man notified the police and an investigation began into what had actually happened to Helen Puttock after she had got out of the taxi the night before or the early hours before with a man that she had only just met 
at a ballroom. It was clear to the police that Helen had been murdered. She had very nearly got home before her life was brutally taken from her. She'd been found in the Scotston district of Glasgow, close to where she had a flat. She had either been taken or had walked to the area that her body would ultimately be found the very next day by the man out walking his dog. Helen Puttock was discovered dead behind a tenement building. She was almost naked, savagely beaten, and she had also been raped. She had been then been strangled to death with her own stockings and left out like rubbish for someone to come across. Her handbag was missing from the crime scene, but some of the contents had been scattered close by. It was later discovered that Helen had put up a ferocious fight with her killer. Her feet were covered in mud and grass, which led the detectives investigating her death to conclude that she had also tried to get away at some point during the struggle. There was evidence that she had tried to climb up a nearby embankment. She had suffered so much. She had a bite mark on her right thigh as well as all of her other injuries. He, Her last few moments alive must have been horrific to say the least and it is such a cruel shame that no one has ever been put away for not only her murder but for the murders of Patricia Docker and Jemima MacDonald as well. One strange maybe coincidence or maybe not was that it appeared that all three women had been on their periods at the time of their deaths. Evidence had been found at all three crime scenes in the form of sanitary towels that also appeared to have menstrual blood on them. The sanitary towels had been removed from all three of the victims' underwear but had still been discovered close to the bodies. Obviously, lots of man-hours had been put into trying to find the killer prior to Helen's murder but once again, the police in Glasgow had a lot of police work to do to try and identify this evil person. He needed to be taken off the streets of Glasgow and made to pay for what he had done. Jean, Helen's sister, who had been one of the last people to have seen her sister alive, was questioned early on in the investigation. She told the police about the two men that her and Helen had met up with the previous evening. She told the police as much as she could remember of the man who had left the taxi with Helen. Obviously, it was good to have a witness at long last, but not very much really came of all of the information available because the case is still unsolved to this day, which is extremely disappointing. The bouncers were also interviewed by the police. The bouncers were from the Barrowland Ballroom, but they gave different descriptions about the man who had been seen with the sisters. A photo fit was arranged, but no new credible information appeared to come about because of it. Although the three murders were not initially linked, eventually, once all of the comparisons and available evidence was looked at thoroughly, the police agreed that they were all likely to have been murdered by the same person. There were many similarities between all three cases that could not be ignored. All three women were young. They had all attended the popular Barrowland ballroom in Glasgow on the night of their murders. All three women were thought to have been menstruating at the time of their deaths as well. Police had to wonder if that was a trigger for the murders. 
As I've mentioned, the person or persons responsible for Patricia, Jemima and Helen's murders has never been identified, much less convicted and put away. As happens in these unsolved cold cases, many suspects come to light. A man called John White was apparently considered a suspect by a former detective. The suspect had been arrested in 1969 in connection with a unrelated matter and he was eventually released. Although he was seen as a potential suspect in connection with the murders, certain aspects did not add up, not least his appearance. The suspect put forward in relation to the Bible John murders, supposedly had a gap in his front teeth, but John White did not. The detectives had arrested John White outside the Barrowlands for an altercation. The suspect had needed stitches to his head and was taken to hospital. It It turned out that the man had given a false name and had fled from the hospital, which aroused police suspicions. Many years later, the same man was actually cleared by DNA sample. He had provided a DNA sample in 2005 to clear his name and it was found not to be a match. Another suspect in the Bible John murders was a man called John Irvine McGuinness. It's unclear when he was suspected, but the man killed himself in 1980 at the age of 41. He had served in the Scots Guard. To clear up any doubt about his guilt after he had died, his body was exhumed in 1996. A sample was taken to provide his DNA and it was then compared to DNA DNA found on stockings that had belonged to Helen Puttock. These stockings had been used to strangle her. The DNA was not a match, so John McGuinness is no longer considered a suspect in the case. Peter Tobin, a convicted serial killer originally from Scotland, was also considered a suspect. But despite having no actual evidence against him, he is often still touted as the killer. Detectives have, however, ruled him out, it would seem. I feel that after reading a lot of stuff on this case, that Peter Tobin was at one time considered a potentially strong suspect. He had already been convicted of several murders and he had spent a lot of time in Scotland prior to moving around, most notably to England. Peter Tobin, who is a convicted serial killer, is an interesting case and one day I will look into his case a little more. Many people have questioned have been questioned in relation to the Bible John murders and many police officers have worked on the case and no doubt some still do now. The police do have evidence they have a DNA DNA sample that was collected at Helen Puttock's murder scene. They also have eyewitness evidence notably from Helen's sister Jean. Both Helen and Jean had been in the company of the person that is widely believed to have been the killer The sisters and another person had spent at least a small amount of time together at the Barrowland Ballroom in Glasgow on the last day of Helen's life. The police officers investigating the murders had a few pieces of potential information to go on. They felt that the man was local or at least he seemed to have a good knowledge of the area. He knew where to take the women prior to killing them, it would seem. Nobody actually came forward from the Barrowland Ballroom with an identity for the man. However, 
So just how local had he actually been? Or was it due to the reluctance from the people coming forward? And there was no mention of the other John who was with the sisters and so-called Bible John on the, the evening that Helen was murdered. So I don't know if he was ever tracked down and spoken to. The police themselves went along to the Barrowland ballroom undercover to try and find out anything about this man, but nothing actually came of it. The owners of the ballroom also complained to the police about their sharp decrease in attendance figures due to the publicity and the police activity. Never mind that three young innocent women were murdered and that the killer was still at large somewhere, maybe ready to attack someone else, but you have to worry about your attendance figures, obviously. So despite many police officers being on the case and many man hours used, no one has ever been identified as the so-called Bible John murderer. They do have a DNA sample available, though, so hopefully at some point in the hopefully near future, the killer will be brought to justice at long last. The families have all suffered. The children have grown up without their mothers. The fact that no one has been brought to justice must be very hard to deal with. When the women went along to let their hair down on a night out, they would never have thought that it would be their last night out ever. All three women were left out in the open, more or less, mostly naked and having been brutally attacked prior to their deaths. I just really hope that one day justice will be served for Patricia, Jemima and Helen. I also hope that no one else has been attacked and or murdered by this very sick individual. He needs to be found, but obviously time is running out now and he may very well already be dead or locked up. The reason that the media dubbed the killer Bible John was mainly due to evidence from Helen's sister Jean. She told the police at the time of her sister's murder that the John, the John had, that had been with her and her sister in the Barrowland and later in the taxi had quoted many times from the Bible. I really hope that one day all of the murders in this unsolved case are solved, either individually or collectively. Some people at the time in the area would have probably linked all three deaths due to obvious similarities, but some people may have thought that one or all had been committed by separate individuals. Hopefully one day the whole truth will come out, although... Time is definitely against it, in my opinion anyway, but hopefully somebody will be identified and they do have the DNA sample. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of my past podcast. Hopefully I will not be quite so long in getting another episode out and I'll be able to get back to some regular, a regular timeline. Thank you. The, the credits of this episode go to Wikipedia, Biographics channel on YouTube and BBC Scotland, which I found via YouTube. Very good information from all three sources. And there's many, many other sources out there, as well as other podcasts, which are very good in covering this case. Thanks again. Bye.